Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. been a while but you know always keep the people wanting just a bit more let all the rest of them get all their sort of you know let them all blow their beans get all the uh early international break pods out and let them all have a big wank off over chelsea and manchester united and everything but as ever like a fine wine rule the roost ages ages well and we you know we know we know when to uh to what do you call it like decask there you go, and uh, bottle up this prime, this prime source for your consumption, and here we are, joined on the line by Mr. Raj Baines. How are you doing, Raj? I'm fine, thank you. I didn't really know where that introduction was going, to be quite frank, but uh, I think you, you, I, you're just about right. Well, you hit it really well, Jack, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting well you, you're talking about uh, roller roosters if it's like a... Uh, a thriving thing when we went through our listening figures before we started <laughs> and uh that does not seem to be the case but that's not why we've done it and that's not why we've ever done it no the, the you know the look look at it this way you know like mrs brown's boys one of the most watched things on television Stuart lee's comedy vehicle has been cancelled from the bbc so you know that's you know if we were to have some sort of parallel. That's 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 where I'd sort of pitch us, you know. Although we're 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 better than Stuart Lee. I think I'm, I I think I'm funnier and probably smarter than he is. Um, I'd go along with that. Yeah, I reckon so. Um, anyway, a lot has happened, as I said, kind of in in crude fashion there. Um, and I can't. I don't know. I, we don't. I don't think we need to unpick it piece by piece. I quite like the idea of us just having a kind of thematic chat to the degree that things are very, very, very exciting. 
I reckon we could rename the podcast Thematic Chat, to be honest. That seems to be what we do these days. It's nice. I think we we do a good job now of kind of just checking in every now and then and just taking the pulse of the club and, and seeing where things are. It's yeah. There's a lot to be said for just taking a step back. When you talk about shit every week and you're kind of forcing content out and stuff, it, it can get a bit samey and you repeat yourself. But if you allow a chance to breathe and for your mind to change or things to actually change, then... You actually have a decent conversation every few weeks. Yeah, it's alright, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a happy place to be. Mm. Um, I mean, if we had it your way, we'd be recording on a daily basis. But well, no, it's- it's because <laughs> no, because the thing is, I know, right? If I start the prodding process, as it were, yeah. um, I know it'll be like right. I'll, I'll, I'll give him a few prods, and then I know that in two, three days' time, he'll probably be all right. The to guilt start will have eroded him exactly. Exactly. Um, There's a lot going on in life, Jack. There's a lot Look, going on. Priorities, mate. That's, We've got that's the main thing. Coronavirus going on. I've got a house near completion. It's all. It's all fucking happening. This growing yeah. up shit. Homeowner, you big yeah. Tory. Yeah. <laughs> there. Yeah. yeah. I'm not jealous. Well, you live in London, don't you? Where you all live like rats on top of each other, so that's your, your, your own yeah. cross to bear. Yeah, isn't it just... I'm um, here with land and fresh air. And, and shut pubs. <laughs> tweed tweed yeah. jackets and Wellington boots. Yeah, and tier two. And yeah, that's it. You are a tier, aren't you? But what do you... Right, let's fucking... Look, we've done enough of this waffling shite. Chelsea, Maccabur... Falafel, as I call them, <laughs> off air, and uh, Manchester United. What, like, how are you feeling, mate? How are you feeling about Spurs? How are you feeling about Mourinho? What are your hot takes? Just sum it all up. I don't think I've got any hot takes. I think I've kind of. Oh come on, you got a few. I've um, I think I've mellowed now to the point where um, I think I've, I think I'm over the Pochettino thing. That's the biggest thing. And it helps what winning a few games can do, but I think I'm actually at the point where I'm I'm not over it in that like I've forgotten he existed and like I'm gonna say he was shit or we're better off without him or anything like that. I'm not I haven't had a lobotomy, but I've kind of I'm over it to the point where like I'm not actively in mourning anymore, if that yeah. you know, if that makes any sense. I've kind of like accepted have, where we are. Have you started to with retrospect and not in a revisionist way? Just more, as you say, now that the emotional kind of burden has, shall we say, lessened slightly, are you able to look back now and think, "Mm, he wasn't actually quite as perfect as I maybe thought he was, and maybe he did have more failings than I probably thought he did at the time? And again, not in a revisionist way. No, because I think we knew what his feelings were at the time, but we accepted them. I think it, mm. it's, it's like a relationship. Like, yeah. I know she don't listen to this. So my missus, for example, I know she's not perfect. <laughs> I will tell her to her face that she is perfect because I'm a charming person. But I know her feelings as well as anyone, probably more than anyone. But you love people despite that. And it's the same the other way around. I'm, I'm far less perfect than she is and she's got far more to love around <laughs> but um sort of you kind of you take the rough with the smooth don't you and we knew that with Pochettino there wasn't always a plan b and that there was you know he was gonna go 
balls out into every single game, and perhaps he shouldn't do. There was I remember podcasts against sort of leading up to like City games or Liverpool games where we were like, oh, come on, let's try and be a bit more pragmatic here and not get tanked five nil, and you know, let's not try and impose ourselves on it. Yeah. And that's why, like, the the occasions where we had favourable results against those teams were so brilliant because they were sort of, they were unexpected and it was literally stepping toe-to-toe with another opponent. It was an Mm. absolute slugfest and... And we enjoyed that because that's the type of football that we we wanted as Tottenham fans. It's it's just, it, they were they were regularly sort of entertaining games, but we would have can you know occasionally get you know smashed on the other side of it. But it's just a different kettle of fish with Mourinho now, and sort of it's not. I, I don't do the I don't compare them directly because I think that's completely unfair. It's it is apples and oranges, but both obviously have their their strengths and their failures. And I think we're starting to see Mourinho's strengths more now than we perhaps did towards the end of last season and I think we had before. It, yeah, definitely. What you touch on there is exactly where I'm at in the respect that I don't compare them as in like to say one is better than the other. I mean, if we're to do that you'd probably say well given everything that he's won Mourinho's technically better but in terms of like style and the way in which we go into games I think what's helping me to get over Pochettino as you were saying now is that I think for the first time we're starting to see or at least I am anyway starting to tangibly see a pronounced difference in what we are now um, not only in terms of personnel, we've obviously had a, an overhaul whereby you look at the team, you, you, you're kind of no longer in mourning for that 16-17 Spurs side on one level because now I look at it and I'm like, Christ, we actually have a really good team again. And it, it was kind of that moment of, you know, in like 15-16 going into 16-17, there's almost still that element of mourning the old kind of red nap era of Bale, Modric, Van der Vaart, uh-huh. you know, having King and plenty of other players who were brilliant back then in their own ways. And some of the memories that we had under that time. It, it, and it was only suddenly that when Pochettino really started to hit his stride, and it probably was 15, 16, really, when he really started to hit that stride, that you suddenly got over that and realised it was a new Tottenham. And that's kind of... I don't think we're fully... like I don't really think we're fully 15-16 stride now. But at the same time, like you it's say... completely there, different beast, though. It, exactly. And it's... Uh, it, for me, I think that... The thing about Pochettino, this is... What I, what I absolutely... What I adored about them, but I can still do, is that... We were who we were under him. Like you say, it was balls out. We had our identity. We had the way in which we played. And we took that into pretty much every game. And it would be win, lose or draw. We're going to do it our way. And Do you know the parallel I would draw? I've just thought of yeah. it now. Pochettino's Tottenham at their best were Deontay Wilder. And they'd knock you out in the first three rounds because they had the ability to overwhelm mm. and you know that would be the the best part of them they, they were the, the energy the sort of raw power raw is the correct word for for his best team yeah 
Poch, um, Mourinho's Tottenham uh, are a Klitschko. They're going to take you 12 rounds. They're going to win the championship rounds. They're not going to get hit as much. It's not going to be as entertaining to watch, but the end result will be almost uh, more guarded and more predictable than what the slightly more gamble and open style that Pochettino's would be. It's not a, a perfect parallel, but you sort of... No, I, I, I don't know what you mean. It's like, for me, it's like with Mourinho, it's, I think what sort of defines who we are now in terms of like who we are as a team is like, it, it's almost like having no real discernible identity is kind of our identity now in a, in a roundabout way. Um, and by that, I mean, is it, it's just, I, I get the feeling more so with Mourinho, he coaches us to deal with, very specific games and very specific situations within games. And I'm sure, obviously, there was an element of that with Pochettino, but with Pochettino overall, it seemed to be underpinned by this idea of who we are. This is what Tottenham are. We press, we, like you say, we kind of... It's like it's like a Blitzkrieg style, you know? It's, it's attack, it's constant pressing is everyone working for each other blind it's, pride and romanticism it, it, yeah exactly and it's it's almost like it's like looking at pochettino as an expressionist abstract painter working on a huge canvas with broad brush strokes and so on and so forth and Mourinho being a very talented graphical designer who works on maps and infographics and things like that mm-hmm. you know it's they're both brilliant in their own way, but it's just as you say, it's two completely different skills. I set. think there's no airs and graces about Mourinho in that I don't think he sees himself or his teams. I don't think he, he views them as above any way of winning. I think he he sees yeah. winning as the ultimate object and the ultimate um, sort of destination, and the route to which you get there is. Um, part of the course and is you know, by any means necessary. It doesn't matter what you do if you have to be intelligent cunts and you're intelligent cunts. Yeah. If you if you win six one, you win six one. It's it's you know whichever method is required to get the end result is what method you use. Whereas Pochettino was very much the method was just as important as the end result was. And there's a lot to be said for that because I think you know I. A lot, we've we've echoed that in a much broader sense in when we've talked about the the club's journey in a wider sense because if we were a, a Mourinho club in a wider sense we would be fine with City in the league or you know being sold to Arabs and, and what have you and, and and buying the league in air quotes and what have you but Pochettino's way of doing it is is the right way and there was like I said there was there's pride and, and romanticism behind yeah. that and that that isn't always the best way because, you know, Mourinho's entire philosophy is that nice guys don't win and and Pochettino's philosophy was, was the opposite of that. It was, you know, we stick to our own principles and we, as long as we are true to ourselves, then we'll get the result we deserve. And, and that never happened because, you know, in the in the moment that should have come true for him if, if you know, we lived in a just and fair world, you know, that Champions League final actually gets to be a final, and he he didn't even get the chance on you know the biggest stage he earned as a manager. He didn't get a fair fair shake, so it, it's kind of 
it almost that experience has almost given us the excuse to be a bit more cynical and it's cynicism something that we've lacked as a club for a while and sort of i think we are and i think as someone i said before i think we are quite a nostalgic sentimental club and i think Mourinho is stripping us of that sentimentality and it's interesting the point you make about sort of when Pochettino had, you know, managed to change his squad and they had the remnants of the Redknapp squad that, that slowly left and, and we were able to sort of, you know, start a fresh, a fresh start with a fresh squad and, and less of those hang-ups and, you know, with the likes of a tongue gone and everything, we, we've got less of those reminders of, of the time that had been before and, and you know, the players like uh, Kane and, and, and what have you are sort of... Um, are intelligent enough and, and good enough to sort of adapt their games to whichever yeah. manager is there. Um, and they're sort of less, I, I don't know if less linked is the right way, but sort of if you take Delhi for example, like he was a real, he was probably the closest sort of personification of, of Pochettino on the field and the way he which he played in that teams, you know. Pochettino's Tottenham's at their best was Deli Ali at his best and Tottenham under Pochettino at the worst was Deli at his worst and he sort yeah. of lived and breathed with that squad at their best and I think it's his exorcism under Mourinho is probably the same as what the team as a whole have had to go through to to become his team and start to play his football more and it's sort of it's it's been a tough journey. It's not been enjoyable, you know that. You know, it's a when painful you, transition, isn't it? He said it himself. Well, yeah, but the, the, this is the thing I was going to come to is that the only hang up I have in saying you know oh, I'm used to it and I'm not um, mourning anymore is that this is kind of what the bloke was asking for two, three years ago, and the fact that we didn't back him enough and allow him to do this do himself is 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 a shame because it's. We'll never know. It's just it's always going to be a wonder as to yeah. what he could have done had we actually had we given him a Gareth Bale or do, had we you know do you done get that? that sneaking suspicion because kind of what I was touching on at the start in terms of like not being revisionist about Pochettino but maybe looking upon certain things and realizing he maybe wasn't as perfect as you thought and it, it, this is a very tangible example of something that I've been mulling over is that I do wonder if there's a certain level of... that In companies, kind of Mourinho's pragmatism, as we say, um, that Pochettino was maybe more reticent to new signings than somebody like Mourinho has been. That I, I can't help but escape the feeling that perhaps a deal for somebody like Gareth Bale maybe wouldn't have been as possible under somebody like Pochettino who would have been worried about the Apple. This is pure speculation on my part, really. I I don't follow it personally because I think he would have. I think he would have loved a signing like that. Maybe okay. Maybe Bale's a poor example, but if we're talking more uh, a Doughty or a Hoybier or a uh, Gedson, you know, who, whatever, who maybe hasn't come out to be particularly anything good, but he could have been, you know, these, these kind of more hit and hope, let's just get some more bodies. I think he took squad. what he could. I think the, I think we, we have to separate the manager from the, yeah. the, the makeup of the squad, because if, you know, if that Amazon documentary and stuff had anything to go by, it's Levy is the yes and no man. And, it, and it's sort of by his decision, everything comes to and it's his word is final and I think it's no mistake like he said before sort of 
the the squad before Pochettino's became good was, you know, every last drop was wrung out of it. That same thing was then repeated with his best squad in that Levy just let it go in and he, he chanced his arm and, and, you know, you know, played his luck as long as he could to get them, you know, get overachievement out of mm. players that deserved a rest and a squad that reserve, sort of deserved um, rejuvenating because, the one thing that Tottenham don't have and and haven't had and hopefully now will or we'll we'll find out because this is sort of this is the start of a new cycle for us. Yeah. And what other clubs do is they constantly improve. If you Liverpool got smashed and and hilariously so by Aston Villa, but even though they won the league title last year, their recruitment wasn't one summer. It wasn't just one window or two windows where they spunked everything. It was slow and it was methodical window after window. They'd yeah. spend a bit more, spend a bit more. Centre-back needed buy-in, so they bought a centre-back. They needed a goalkeeper, they bought a goalkeeper. And they've carried on doing it. They they didn't need Thiago, but they've got him anyway. They didn't need um, Minamino, but they've added him on top just for a laugh. They didn't need Jota, but they wanted somebody to play out there knowing the African Cup of Nations and stuff were coming, so they yeah. got him. And they've just slowly, incrementally... Shaqiri, people, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. from the past. Yeah, exactly. Incrementally making the squad better. Whereas Tottenham sort of... We get to a point where we're like, right, squad's done. And then we just yeah. let it play for two years. And we don't kind of go... Whereas if our squad was sort of what Liverpool's were, like Doherty would have come in last year and Hoybeer would have come in last year. And, and so we did bring in Ndombele and Luchoso, who are now... Seemingly. Yeah, but that was after two years of no investment. Yeah, yeah, fair. okay, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of I understand that we have we we spent a lot, and you know, Levy had that line in that documentary was like, people seem to forget that we spent this much, and we're like, yeah, but we've not forgotten the two years before that where you spent fuck all as well, mate. So yeah. kind of just you know, give us a bit of credit when we're kind of complaining. We we're not a fan base that complains for the sake of it. We're not West Ham. We don't have. Airs and graces above a station, I don't think. And I, I don't think... Uh, one thing I'm actually proud of as a club is uh, we don't have ideas above our station. I think we're quite... Um, Do you know what I think? I, I think we maybe do a little bit. I, I think, think we have that kind of... Sl- we're a sleeping giant. We're... Which is good. You know, we're the perennial... No, okay, no, it's not ideas above our station, but we definitely dream big. Oh, yeah, club. but I think that's the fabric of the club. I think being the yeah. dreamers isn't... Okay. No, being, I know what you being mean. dreamers is different than Newcastle it's fans. From being entitled, yeah. Yeah, and you know the same way that Leeds fans now have played a few good games of foot games of football and now like assume they're back and they as they were yeah. sort of yeah thirty years ago. It's, it's bullshit. They're pushing um, for top four kind of shit. It's like, yeah. So, so I had a, I had a, I had a chat today with a Leeds fan because um, I'm lucky enough to work with the wonderful people, and they were on yeah. about that um, that. You know the top six are trying to break away and make the Premier League privatise and all that bollocks, and we don't need to get into that because that's a completely different kettle of fish. But that's probably how pod on. I think, so. yeah, I think, I think there was only ten percent of what he was saying was to sort of, you know, flick me because he knows I'm a Spurs fan. But I'm, I'm patient enough in my older age to kind of just let it go and and not bite. But he was kind of like, who do Tottenham think they are? Why do Tottenham think they're this big club who deserve to sit on the same table as Man United and Liverpool and, and Chelsea and stuff? You've you've won one League Cup in 20 years or whatever. And factually, that's correct. But I was actually thinking about writing about this the other day, but I don't write much anymore, so I didn't. So I'll just burn the material here. And if somebody wants to feed off my scraps and write it poorly... Uh, then feel free. Here's your material and here's your article plan. But 
I think Tottenham are the... I think we're the the most aspirational club in the Premier League for other clubs. I think we are the model and the the growth pattern that other clubs should follow. And I think we're the example of to other teams of how to game the system in a way that is slow and incremental growth. And, and, and while I've sort of, you know, shat on leave if not growing the squad in recent times incrementally, he's the work he's done with the club outside that is completely different. Because mm. if you take Tottenham Hotspur as they are today, the entity that they are today, the business and the sort of the stature that we have in the game and in the league and in, you know, football as a as a global sport and compare that to where we were when, you know, Levy took over and Enoch bought the club, it's night and day. Yeah. And you know, it's investment in the infrastructure, the foresight to invest in the um, academy to the point where we can create the likes of Harry Kane and, you know, that, that Pochettino squad that we eulogised about was, you know, built off the back of youth products and then we sell those for profit and, and our money comes from there rather than sort of, you know, human rights offences and what have you. <laughs> and, um, and I think we are the where the model you follow and we've you've had little small examples of this you've had oh maybe you should do the Swansea way and last season it was what about the Sheffield United way and none of those are as sustained as as we are and you know it, it might not be the most perfect way because look at Everton Everton might lester themselves a title this year because Mashiri's got endless money that he's he's let Carlo run away with and, and spunk on who he wants to spunk it on and fair fucks to them they, they look decent this season and they may well do something but that hasn't been a steady progression for Everton. They've been shit and disappointing for so many more years than they haven't been. Yeah. In order to get to that point, whereas we have, they, we, they should have been probably for the like you say for the investment, a club the size that they are, the history they've got, they should have been really fighting with us more for top four than they have been. Yeah, and I think, I think the point that everybody misses, and the point that opposition fans miss is. When they turn around to Tottenham and say, who are you? 20 years ago, you were fuck all. They don't... They, they say that to us as if it was a bad thing. And to me, that's a source of pride, yeah. yeah. 20 years ago, Tottenham were fuck all, but now we're big enough that we annoy you because your traditionally big club are now smaller than ours. And you have that cognitive dissonance where you cannot accept that because we don't have the shiny trophies to show for it. But you... You, you might, okay, you, you know, your club's name might still hold more uh, kudos and gravitas than ours does. But when it comes down to it, when we meet on the field, when we compare ourselves off the field, when we actually think of which future of whose club is going to be bigger and brighter, there's no competition. And it's sort of, and, and there's going to come a point, Jack, where we can't just keep saying that we're playing the long game and uh, we're, we're growing and, you know, we're in transition but and this... I feel like we're there now, right? Yeah, so and, it, and this it is... It feels like we're turning that corner. Well, we have to because this is this is the pressure on Mourinho now. He he talks the talk and he, and he walks the walk of, I win things wherever I go. That's what I do. I've watched an awful lot of Mourinho recently. Between that Amazon documentary and between the... Um, that playbook that was on Netflix, which is a decent 40 minutes. I, yeah, I was going to say, is that decent? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an advert for Mourinho is essentially what it is. But yeah. he, the man's box office, he comes across really well because he knows how to come across really well. But you can't 
blow smoke up your own ass the way he does and carry himself the way he does without backing it up. And the secret of Mourinho is he really does back it up everywhere he goes. He Even though he's been sacked every you know in his past couple of jobs, he won him a league. He he's, he won Man United more than anyone post Ferguson's managed to do. And in the light of what's happened since, you kind of look at his achievements and go, all oh, right, maybe the bloke fucking wasn't it, or something. It's funny though, isn't it? Because it does seem to be this general sense of, and I'm not like I'm I'm not doing this any like gotcha, haha, aren't I a visionary type way. I've been quite open from the start that I don't particularly like Mourinho. I'm not particularly fond of the football he plays. I think classically, yeah, okay, it's we've got our Tottenham way and I don't really think he meshes with that per se. But at the same time, the guy, the guy is a winner. He does know what it takes. And I've never... I've never subscribed to that level of almost like, I don't know, I think uh, uh, all the way, and what, it's about a year now we've had him. And I think from the very beginning, even after we beat Manchester City um, with, you know, Bergwijn's kind of winner. Um, no, he didn't score. He scored the equaliser, didn't he? And then Son, I think, scored the winner in that No, game. no, I think, no, we went 2-0 up, I think. Do we? Okay. Yeah. Um... Wasn't it two nil? Maybe it was. Yeah, I, I think it it, was, I think Bergwijn went yeah. one. Bergwijn would one nil. Oh, they missed their penalty, didn't they? Yeah, they yeah, yeah, yeah. Hugo it. saved yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but I've always sort of maintained that I don't. Yeah, I don't particularly like him. But number one, I don't think that what we're doing is actually as boring and as negative as a lot of people were making out at the time. And also number two. I think there was far, far, far too quick a sense of like writing him off, as in like, and this isn't from Spurs. I think it's just from the general football writing press. A lot of people who were, yeah, they found it very hard to separate the man who gives them prickly answers in press conferences and probably just was. I mean, look at Manchester United. Look at the state of them. Look at look at what an absolute clown car they are. Uh, you know, we, we, you see it from top to bottom. And yeah, okay, you know, again, these are all the takes of people who don't know the full ins and outs of a club. But at the same time, it, to coin a trite a dadge, it, it, it is that whole no smoke without fire. And you can see, and you have been able to see for years that Manchester United have been an absolute shambles. And it just seems to be that so much of the blame of that is continually rested at the feet of, you know, David Moyes, Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho, now Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you know, probably in a few months' time. and It's just daft because the Glazers are taking 100-odd million out of the club every year yeah. and Ed Woodward's literally the worst football executive in any club in any level across the world. But yet Mourinho achieved an admirable level of of success then. Yeah, if okay. he won at Tottenham what he won at Man United, none of us are turning our nose up at that. No. And I, I think, you know, that I, I do get to a degree that, you know, there has to be this level of understanding that what Manchester United constitutes success, blah, 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 blah. But... At the same time, do you? How long do you get to say that for? Because you oh, wow. lot, 
In Liverpool did it for long United. enough, didn't they? Well, yeah, no, but this is exactly the point, mate. Is like Man United fans openly took the piss out of Liverpool for going on about past successes, and it's been what it's, it 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 will be coming up to a decade now since Manchester United won the Premier League. Since Manchester United, fuck knows how long since they won the European Cup now. And yet they kind of feel like they're in a place to get sniffy about winning a UEFA Cup or finishing second in the league. You know, it, it. I just, and I've never really subscribed to this idea that you can dislike the guy and you can dislike what he represents, but to sort of just deny that Mourinho is talented when you look at a man on paper who has gone around the world and not just kind of won you know an Italian cup or a Coppa del Rey or mm. you know these type of things we're talking about a man that has gone pretty much and won the top honors everywhere mm -hmm. and now that it's been treated as yeah Spurs still haven't won anything but the fact that it's been treated with this real kind of like, oh, I mean, Spurs actually look all right now. I mean, like, Mourinho's been there a year now, and he's sort of put in some of his own players, and now they actually look all right. Oh, oh, shit. And you kind of think, well, why is that such a surprise to you, though? Like... It's it's a man that's fucking won what is it three Champions Leagues has he won? Yeah, I think well, I think we talked about this when he when he joined though is that our reputation as a club and his reputation as a manager were at the only points in their history where it was acceptable for them to become one and for them to team up. He had something to prove because his stock had fallen to a point where people just assumed he'd lost it. And Spurs were at a point post Pochettino having lost the Champions League final and everything where people didn't think that we knew what we were doing, you know, twisting rather than sticking. We didn't know how good we got it. And, mm. you know, I think we were everyone's sort of second or, favorite, you know, second or third favourite team under Pochettino because we were always entertaining to watch. We were good on telly. You know, we had decent teams. and uh, But we also had that banter factor of, oh, they've put the pressure on, but they've never really won anything. And, you know, when we got too close to winning anything, then when people needed to bear their teeth, they were able to say, Pochettino's never won anything. And, you know, all that bollocks. And we were at a nice place for everyone where everyone was comfortable with who Tottenham were. And people are starting to become uncomfortable with who Tottenham are. And for a while, us as Tottenham fans were uncomfortable with it because it's not something we recognise from our own club. And that feeds back into that whole point about sentimentality that I was on about earlier is that we we kind of we're kind of having to shed some of the the things that were spursy about us, for want of a better word in order to get to the next stage of our development and, and and actually win things and actually get over the line because it isn't this isn't the eighties or nineties even or seventies or sixties where we won stuff before and we could play push and run and win it by playing the prettiest football. It's just a completely different beast than it was then. Football has changed you know almost completely since then. And it's it's you know, there's an element of Mourinho that people don't like because he's, you know, because he is a bit more sort of that's not quite my tempo and people are like oh he's he's mean because of that and 
just because he, he has different methods methodologies doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Like one of the one of the most sort of um, standout things from that um, Netflix piece is it's not a new thing, but it's sort of a clip that I'd forgotten about is that night he won the Champions League with Inter and he knew he was going to Real Madrid and there's that that um, moment where he's with Matarazzi, I think it is, in the car park where they're just two grown men sobbing into each other's arms because he's created that sort of connection with his players and you know that's how he, much he meant to them and they meant to him. You can see he's, you can see enough beneath the surface is more to him. Sort of, he puts on this caricature to the press yeah. and to everyone else to sort of deflect attention from his boys. And it's not the same way that other people go about it. It's, it's very particular methodology. And sometimes he will make an example of somebody, or he will, he will use the stick more than the carrot if he needs to. You know, Delhi's a perfect example of that. But if you respond to it, there clearly is method to the madness. Look at Tangy now, like. Tangy, well, under a different under a, diff- under a different manager, he might still be fat and not sort of motivated, and uh, you know could have just been let go because they didn't see that turning around. But he's not bullied him. He's just he's I don't know what he's done. He's he's almost made an like an enemy of himself with him to kind of push him and, and kind of just push the right buttons. And, you know, people have said that about him in, in interviews and what have you, you know, Keynes thing said it and stuff where he just knows what the ways to motivate certain players. And there's certain players that just won't get on with it. The same way that in our, in our day to day life, day to day lives, Jack, there, there are people that just won't like us as people. And we won't like not as people. Me. Not me. <laughs> And and that's just the way that life is. There there are certain people that don't mesh and don't gel. And if everyone got on like a house on fire, it'd be a fucking boring world. Well, look but, at it. You can see what's happened with Danny Rose. They're clearly just, you know, it's clearly one of those relationships that's just not not going to happen. Well, I think for Danny Rose, it's kind of like I don't think Mourinho sees enough of a return from Danny Rose to be worthy of his effort. Like he could, if he wanted to, motivate Danny Rose the same way he's motivated somebody else. But he's not going to get prime Danny Rose back. He may as well just get rid of him because it's not worth his his effort to. Why would he spend that extra time fighting with Danny Rose to get his best performances out when he could be trying to make, um, you know, when he's got Regulon in and stuff like that instead? It's, it's and or doing that same work with Tangy or Delhi. He can't he can't fight every member of the squad. He has to pick his battles. And if there's one or two that he just gets rid of because he can either replace or sort of you know, concentrate his efforts elsewhere, then then so be it. And I, I kind of I kind of see the the thinking behind that. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. If we're talking about kind of where where we can be headed and what Mourinho has changed about the squad, be it mentality or be it with his coaching or just... I don't know, I guess just maybe some kind of like spirit that he's managing to instill into the club. I guess that falls under mentality as well. Um, Chelsea, or at least the nature of the Chelsea game, the type of fixture, it felt it felt pretty significant. Um, I mean, I, I've I've long derided the League Cup, and I I still continue to, you know, these new revised plans that might do away with the League Cup for Premier League teams or at least a certain band of Premier League team. I actually welcome I think I just think the cup's slightly redundant, but as it still exists to essentially come back against a notorious rival who has often reveled in rubbing our faces in it in particular clutch moments to claw our way back into the game and then win it on something like penalties it does feel significant because now we've got you know barring a disaster at Stoke we're looking at really a semi-final of a cup that as Guardiola and so on, as I think other people have called out in the past, it's a good springboard to you know the cup finals in what February. You win, you win the League Cup in February, and whatever. I I don't particularly look at it as yeah, it'll be a great day out. Don't get me wrong, it won't be a great day out this season, but <laughs> classically, it would have been a great day out. It'll still be a great day to see Spurs win a cup final if we do, but. You kind of feel like that's that's the springboard for your cane, your so on and so forth to be like, we fucking mean business this year. And it's a way to sort of show the rest of the league that if we do win the League Cup in February, that we we mean business and we we're gonna go for the title or we're gonna go for the Europa League or you know, or the FA Cup or whatever, but I don't know, I still set my sights a bit higher than that. I think like, you know, if we win the League Cup, it, it's a sign that we can go on and win the Premier League. Um, I mean, do, am I am I overstating it? I, I don't know, it just it felt, to me, the Chelsea victory in particular, it, it felt, that to me felt like the start of something real and something very new. Um, did it Did it strike you in the same way? I think it was significant in that we saw a very similar sort of game against Chelsea twice last season in that we prepared as well as we could for both of them and they just kind of caught us out by wanting it more and and just a bit more experience in their side, saw them through. And on this occasion, we still got caught by a good goal, but we were able to kind of weather the storm with half a squad and they kind of there was a bit more... 
nous about us in order to get back into it, get the equaliser, and then the penalties were all brilliant. And it was sort of... There's more of a cocksureness about us and a, a, a nasty streak and sort of a a confidence and an arrogance that that winning teams have and sort of I don't think we have had in the past. I think we've kind of been too respectful and kind of... Mm. You know, there has been confidence, but confidence in the same way that like a, a kid has when he gets really good at PlayStation, at PlayStation, rather than what a professional sportsman has when he sort of knows he's better than everyone else. You know, the, mm. the kind of just the way they carry themselves and, and stuff is is completely different. And I think that's, and I think that was one of the first times in which they kind of they put that into practice and they actually saw that come into fruition. And it's no surprise then the week unfolded the way it unfolded after that and and it's kind of it's the same with all things though as soon as if you start putting effort into something and it's not what you what your sort of um sort of natural inclination would be the only point on which you fully commit and fully start believing in it is when you see results yeah and that's you know the same at work the same in your personal life uh you know we we're two lads who've got, you know, up and down weight. It's only when, like, you go for a run and actually start seeing the scales moving and what have you that you actually start thinking, oh, it might actually be worth me to go and <laughs> fucking move my ass and stuff. And that was that moment for them where they actually went, oh, maybe if we, you know, play with his heads as, as much as our hearts, we could actually win a few things and catch a few people out. And when they start believing in that and they actually start buying into it and... And the fact that they've started buying into it at the same time, I think a lot of fans have started buying into it. And the fact that we aren't even there in the ground and there isn't that collective in the way there would be traditionally, but even from afar, we're starting to all kind of, you know, feel a tide turning. It's it's really nice and it's kind of... Like I say, this is this is the reason why that period of mourning is, is in the past now because there's there seems to be a sense of... Not progression, because I think that's unfair on where we've come from, but evolution and change. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably the more accurate way of addressing it. Um, and if that's evolving into something where we can actually win silverware, then that gets a lot of the monkey off our back where people start questioning who we are. And that will be the Obviously, thing. Obviously, you know, if we do win the League Cup, it'll just be, and they've only won a League Cup, but, yeah. you know... But I think that gives us the belief and, and the exactly. squad the belief that they can actually win summer and they can actually go on to do summer. And I don't think I don't think Mourinho would um would be satisfied with just the League Cup. I think no, he he wouldn't let them get away like from themselves, would he? No. That. No. And He'd... I don't think but the thing is I don't think personalities like I don't think Harry Kane or somebody would be satisfied with it either, you know? Gareth Bale wouldn't look at that and be like, yeah, great, it's a successful season. No. Yeah. Well, everyone who's come in since the the Brazilian lad, Carlos Vinicius, who we've not even talked about, um, and Bale even, and, and even Regulon, they've all talked about titles, and I don't think that mm. has come from thin air. I don't think you join a club talking about the same thing. They've clearly heard that come from someone. And, you know, I think Mourinho is a very self-aware person and he's well aware of his own standing and reputation because he, he does you know admittedly have an ego about him because i think he needs one to, to manage at the level he has done his entire career um how much of that is a construct i'm not sure but i'm sure there's a certain degree of it which is real and true i think he if he was 
able to win an FA Cup or Europa League or do something serious in the league with Spurs or, you know, put a couple of seasons back-to-back where he gets us back into Champions League and then makes us something competitive in the Champions League or something like that and a, and a genuine problem at the top of the league where, you know, nobody wants to play against Spurs. Or, yeah. You know, Liverpool, the City, whoever we come up against, don't fancy playing against Spurs. And when when no longer seen as a soft touch, then then he's got his place back. People people will have to kind of revisit their Mourinho's finished takes because he might not be finished. And I think I, I think it's starting. I think the I think those you know the 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 rehashing is being written in pencil at the moment. Should we say mm-hmm. it seems to be um, because. <laughs> The proof seems to be in the pudding thus far, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's, yeah. I, I don't know, mate. It's, uh, it's. Look, it's a, it's a high wire, high wire um, act. This because, like I say, he he makes his own bed by talking about titles and yeah. putting his standards there. And if he's got to back it up, and that's the simple thing. If if he doesn't end this season with some form of silverware, barring like another lockdown or. Um, half the squad being genuinely injured to the point like we were last season and he hasn't got a legitimate reason for not backing that up. He's set himself a standard at which he has to reach and if he doesn't reach it, then he pays with his job. I think it's it's basically top four or silverware is what saves him, right? I think it's a combination of the both. I think he has to win something. I think I, I personally would... Be disappointed having seen him backed in the fashion he's been backed in a way that probably no Tottenham manager has been by Enoch before. To see him speak in the way he speak, and not just the the level of investment because it's not a magnificent seven, magnificent seven level of investment. These are our players that other clubs wanted, and names and statues and profiles yeah. that that he himself has highlighted and 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 asked for. He's been given the tools at which, you know, at his disposals now that he has to deliver what he says he can deliver. And if he doesn't, then, you know, it's been hosted by his own petard. And he's got to, you know, he's he's got to back up what he says now. And, and so far, he's he's showing the ability to, but he's actually got to fucking see it through. I mean, it's just, it's still on Mourinho, but just, him kind of to one side talking about like the personnel that we've got like it's it's just very exciting like it's it's very exciting that it seems to be and this was something that Charlotte the uh the missus for anybody that doesn't know she's a big big Spurs fan and everything as well she um and she sort of made this point the other day that it's kind of for the first time in a in a very long time it almost feels like uh, an entire batch of signings have just kind of hit the ground running. That for, that for once, we, we've kind of always had to, you know, whether it's been Lamella or whether it's been like when we first got Ndombele or whether it was Soldado or it's so many of our signings have been kind of caveated on we've sort of waited, you know, Soldado, it was, okay, well... Maybe he's not the goal scorer we thought he was, but you know he's great in link-up play. That was always the kind of thing with him. And you know, okay, Lamella, 
he's not the bail replacement he thought he was, but he's a hard worker in the final third and he's got all these injury problems and, you know, so on and so forth. There's been kind of various different inclinations of this, but suddenly now, you look at someone like Doughty, he's come in who, yeah, okay, people said he was he was good and that he was probably underrated at Wolves and we've gotten a steal, but I'm looking at this, this guy and I'm like, fucking hell, like, we've got a steal and a half. Like, this this guy is, like, to me, and I, I'm, I'm honestly trying not to, you know, exercise hyperbole here or be kind of over-enthusiastic of my praise and getting too excited, but he looks like a, right, a, a right-sided version of someone like Andy Robertson. He looks just as good to me. He looks unreal. Um, whether it's because, you know, my mate, <laughs> my my Irish mate, um, Jack, who I've spoken about before, you know, part of his, uh, I would say, chip on his shoulder, sorry, Jack, but uh, is that he's saying, you know, if he if he wasn't Irish, people, and, you know, if he, even if he was English, people would be talking about him in and hell, holding him in much higher esteem than they do. And it shouldn't really be a surprise that he's as good as he is, but it is a surprise to me. And he just, he seems to be unbelievable. Reguion, how, or however it's pronounced on the left, just looks phenomenal. You know, I think it's... It's proper road runner, isn't he? Oh, it, but he's so quick and he's just... I don't remember the last time we had a player who was just that immediately fast. Uh, and But just ballsy... Just he's got that whole like he's got that Van der Vaart thing about him where he's kind of just come in and been like, I'm fucking Tottenham now, you know? Like you remember like yeah. Van der Vaart straight away, he just almost just and I know this is the proper football manism, but just gets it. He's just suddenly like, I'm Tottenham. That's what I am now. I wear this shirt. This isn't just a job for me. I want to care about what I do. I want to care about where I play. I want to care about the team I play for. Even to and, the point where he's like a little Gareth Bale fanboy, isn't he? Yeah. But he, you can tell just straight away. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel contrived. He's just got that, you know, that thing about him where he's like, yeah, I'm fucking Tottenham and we're going to win. And I'm going to make sure we fucking win. I'm I do, do think everything he's... everything within my power to do it. I do know? think he's going to do himself a mischief at some point, though, because he's, he's like... Five foot two, and he throws himself about to such an extent where he, he's love it he's going to hurt himself. Like I do feel a bit like I wince every time he goes down, and it fills me with joy that he gets up nine times out of ten. But... I think he's quite hard. I think he's quite hard, probably in that. I think he's that surprising that is that he hard or is it like then? a child who like just bounces when like they bang their head and is too stupid to realise they should be hurt? No, I I think he's that. I think he's that wily little bastard that like. Yeah, okay, if he gets clocked by a big lad, he's going to go down, but he will just go into the big lad and just start punching and punching and punching and punching and almost take the big lad by surprise. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that mm -hmm. sort of just nasty little bastard fighter. Um, I mean, he just looks unbelievable, you know? Uh, I mean, Gareth Bale... Oh, have accounts. you seen the training video of him today? I, I just, mate, I can't, I can't do it. I, you know, it's just, it's... Uh, they've clearly heavily edited that to, like, pick out his best parts, but it's just oozes class, and you just can't, like, 
if he can replicate that in a real game and we've got a front line of Son, Kane, Bale, and then, you know, La Celso, Tangy, Hoybier behind. Hoybier, by the way, who's after a dodgy first couple of games, maybe maybe one dodgy game has been excellent ever since. He has. And he's caught kind of the the perfect Mourinho holder. And then the back line. The back line, the, the centre-back partnership's the only dodgy part for me. Hugo, Hugo looks like he is sort of thriving under this sort of nastiness of Mourinho. Like the, he's the, he's the best I've probably ever seen him, mate. He's, I think he's kind of motivated more. He, I think he I think he really got on with Pochettino and really bought into that. But I think there's a, a cynical want to win with Mourinho yeah. that he appreciates because he has won and he has that he's done that with France and he's at the position now where he wants to win and you know that that whole argument with Son towards the end of last season I don't think that was him putting something on I think that's the real him I think he's kind yeah. of been dampening himself down and I think Mourinho's you, almost given him license. Do you remember that license. old video at Leon when before we signed him? There's an old video of Lloris and I remember people getting all excited about it at the time. Um just before we signed him, it's very similar to that Son incident where I think Leon were, I think they were like winning 2-0 and then they ended up drawing 2-2 um, the game. Yeah, kind of from the 85th minute onwards, they shipped a two-goal lead. And it was Mar- it was Larice going down the tunnel and then going into the changing room and just having a fucking row with half the team, like going absolutely apeshit at them. And suddenly seeing that fire back in him again is just, it's unbelievable. But, yeah, it, even aside for that stuff, I just, some of the saves he's just pulling off consistently are just astonishing. Yeah. Like, I, it, since that arm injury at Brighton, he's come back. And I, I, honestly speaking, I thought that injury at Brighton was him done. I thought, mm. That's the end of his career. Now, as a as a that's the moment. Like he's been on the sort of steady decline. This is a big injury for a goalkeeper. I think this is going to rock his confidence, and I think he's not going to come back fit. And I think this is we you know, we're going to have to invest in an Oblak or somebody to replace him because he is of that level. But he's come back and fucking hell, like he's as good as he's ever been. I think. I, I don't. Yeah, and think, it, it's, you know. it, it says a lot for what motivation can do for a player yeah. as well, because we don't know how much he just stagnated at Spurs because he's been here a while now, and, and there will be an element of perhaps him yeah. under Pochettino and stuff to get a bit comfy, and maybe he needed that rocket of, you know, a new goalkeeper coach, a new um, a new coach, and a, and a new sort of ideology to work within, and I think he. I think we're starting to see now why he's captain. And I think there were a lot of doubts previously over why he were captain and not Kane and what have yeah. you. And I don't think there's anybody now who would question who no. the leader in that dressing room is. And, no. and there's mo- there can be more than one, Yeah, but he's the alpha and there's yeah, no fucking question on. about it. I love, I do like, I you know, I, I don't need to go on about how much I love Harry Kane. I mean, I'm sure we'll sort of come on to that in a second, but... It's still kind of with Harry Kane, and I think if there's one thing I picked up from All or Nothing, he still carries himself as like the aspirational alpha. You know, mm-hmm. he 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 wants to be the one that is in charge, but I still think what follows him is that air of kind of well, his mates ultimately that are probably still a bit like 
we love you, Harry, and you're fantastic, but also, mate, sharp, you know? I think, do you get what I mean? And yeah, yeah. Whereas someone like Larice, like seems to be genuinely scary and I think can probably be like, look, I have fucking one stuff, so listen to me. There's probably you know? just one or two in the squad that have known him for too long, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And that aren't enough in awe of him. I think the one really telling part of that... Uh, all or nothing thing is the Spurs players clearly know how good he is because there was that Ericsson quote when they're on about oh players are worth 200 odd million now and Ericsson just kind of went yeah that's fucking Harry's right foot yeah because yeah, yeah. th- there's no not none of them are any sort of you know not under any illusions as to who the best player in the squad is in an outfield sense and everything but uh, it'll be interesting to see how he starts playing when Gareth's on the pitch at the same time because Gareth Bale is, a, is, is similar in that he is an alpha, but a silent one. Like, yeah. you wouldn't ever make him captain unless you're Wales. And I don't think he even is captain for Wales. I think it's like Ramsey or something. I think it's it? Ramsey, yeah. Um, but he kind of, he carries himself and he, he holds himself in a certain way. And if he wants to shoot, he'll shoot because he's Gareth Bale. And if anyone questions him, then he'll have a bit of a glance over at him. Like, he's not going to shout in the way that Larice might. And he's not going to sort of be inspirational but well he's not going to be inspirational in a sort of traditional sense but he might be in that his level of performance is, is to such a, a you know a ceiling that everyone else wants to raise theirs but I feel like those two might egg each other on if they get on if they start, those two start having a fucking round of golf with each other and, and egging each other on and going alright well I love Spurs yeah I love Spurs let's fucking win something together sort of a thing let's be fucking Michael and Scotty here like, it could be unreal well I mean I put this <laughs> Put this little thing on Instagram the other day that I, I sort of meant as a joke. And then, yeah, I had a couple of mates who support other clubs and stuff who were being like, yeah, whatever, give over sort of thing. But I put out, like, you know, Liverpool's front three and then the little, you know, that meme, the upgrade button on the keyboard. And then you switch it to Son, Kane and Bale. And... <laughs> I don't think it's that far from the truth, mate. If those mm-hmm. three are all firing, I mean, that's one of the best front threes in the world, in, at least in Europe. And really well balanced as well, and actually fits into the system we play. And... I mean, because there's still this prevailing sort of strange mindset and hesitancy from a lot of people to really recognize quite how big a deal the Gareth Bale thing is like there's it it's almost been treated as in like Spurs have signed some kind of 36 year old has been who yeah he's decent and we'll get a few good games out of him we'll have him off the bench here and there blah 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 but it's like well actually we've signed a 31 year old who is in pretty decent nick physically speaking mm-hmm. who has Again, as we've said, this perfect blend of, you know, as we've seen with Pochettino, we've seen with Mourinho and with Spurs, Gareth Bale has a point to prove. Well, there's one part of that um, that Netflix thing, and if nobody's seen it yet, it's worth seeing, where Mourinho's talking about getting appointed at Porto and how broken that team is, how broken that squad is, and how they went about rebuilding it. And he says... In no uncertain terms, we didn't go for names, we didn't go for world-class talent, we didn't go for the best players possible. We went for players from a certain profile, and the profile we wanted to fit our project were players that cared about Porto, cared about the shirt, and knew what it meant to play for Porto. 
and sort of it, you know, it ends in the way it ends with the Champions League and everything. But it kind of shows that in the same way that Pochettino wanted certain characters and certain personalities, so does Mourinho, but in a different way. He wants to, in almost a Phil Jackson-y kind of way, he kind of wants mm. to build a story for the season and kind of build a mentality that runs throughout the squad. And everyone that has been recruited is people that need to prove themselves. And, you know, regular or however you say his name, shunned by... Zidane and Real Madrid, you're not good enough to play for us. Fine, come to Spurs, prove you are good enough. You've got the buyback clause. So you, you know, make them eat the words and buy you back. Doherty, you've been stuck at um, Wolves for how many, many years? And if you weren't Irish, would you be higher rated than you are? Come prove yourself. Hoybier was at Bayern Let Munich. Go by Bayern, yeah. Exactly. By Pep. Was it and Pep who Yeah, it was Pep. Yeah. And then he had to go play for Southampton, which I'm um, no disrespect to Southampton, but that's a fucking step down. Ah, fuck Southampton. Um, Gareth Bale, exactly the same thing. You know, Gulf Wales, Madrid sort of a thing. You, he's a meme rather than one of the best footballers in the world and, and a one-time world transfer record player. Harry Kane still has that element about him. Dele Ali now has that built into him. Undombele has that about him. Lacelso has been let go by PSG and what have you, and had to rebuild his career at, at lesser clubs. It's... He's a he's a glorious footballer. Yeah, I love I love watching him play football, man. Like mm-hmm. he's he's he, I know it, they're not exactly the same like mould of player on the pitch, but I just I I love the fact that he's just he's he's. So Modric esque in the respect. It's a stature, isn't it? It's just that, and it's just how understatedly brilliant he is. Like mm. I'm not watching him thinking like he's gonna crack one thirty yards top bins. I'm watching him be like, he just glides past people. He just knows when to release the ball. He just knows when to track back and how to get stuck in and how to intelligently shepherd players into positions that he wants them to be in and just how to bring other people into play and I, I just love watching him and you know as, as you're talking about like players have a point to prove it's almost like with Ndombele he's managed to help cultivate that point for Ndombele to prove as in like we signed you you're the club record signing show everyone why you are yeah and, and you're now, not some fucking fat plodder well, but mate, like, and again, you know, I I might be getting overexcited and I've, I was fully on board with the, you know what, maybe we should just let Ndombele go. Maybe it feels like it's just something where it's not going to be well, a right it. fit. It's a, um, it's a rite of passage for Spurs' best midfielder for you to say to fuck him off because at one yeah. point you said uh, release Moussa Dembele. Probably did, didn't I? Yeah. No, no, you definitely uh, did. Yeah. Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah. But with Ndombele, mate, like, I honestly look at him and I'm like, this lad's got comparable qualities to Zidane, you know? Like, I look at him, I look at the way he plays, this sort of languid style, if you like, but being quite ballsy, having a sort of, it's not in a, get stuck in way but he's still tough you know he's hard to knock off the ball um and just that touch he's got and the sort of vision and the way in which he just 
You know, I think we were talking about it like at the at the tail end of last season. I think it was in the Bournemouth game when we were just like because we were both a little bit like you know, come on, Tangy lad, like come on, just please give us something. You know exactly. And I remember he came on that Bournemouth game. We drew it still, I believe, the Bournemouth game. But as soon as he came on, you were just like, he's just fun. He's fun to watch. Like he's good, and he just, he just, he just looks just so good. And like you, he seems happy as well. Yeah, he. But he could low key, mate, be our best player. Like Mm -hmm. because, and I I genuinely mean that Zidane comparison. Like when I when I look at him, he he, in many ways, I've I've seen, and heard people make the kind of Musa Dembele comparison. And I agree to an extent, but I think, if anything, in terms of like at least in an attacking sense, already he's shown that he's a lot more gifted than Musa Dembele was in an attacking sense. It's, it's the the thing that is his most un sort of unappreciated asset is his speed of thought and confidence in his own instinct yeah. when it comes to passing i've never seen Just a player his eye, for a, his eye for a pass but he, there's no hesitation it's no. it's almost instantaneous like he will turn and he'll see something and whereas most players will kind of like scan the field a second time and and, and this is only like split seconds we're talking here because they're elite level players but they'll take that extra beat and that extra beat is yeah. all a defender will need to take the extra step back or you know close the gap or intercept or whatever and he just doesn't and and the thing is, there are players who try and play Hollywood passes and nine times out of ten, they don't come off and then everyone fawns over the tenth time. Nine times out of ten, that boy's pass is going exactly where it wants it to. And if it's not gone right, it's more the fault of the recipient than it is his. He's 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 very, very special. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, can you... <sighs> Can you see a world in which we do get our Hoybier and Dombele, Lachelso midfield three? I can, yeah. I think it'll happen at some point, um, but I don't think it's going to be a regular thing. I think, I think the thing we have to kind of um, divorce ourselves from um, is this idea of Spurs having a best eleven because yeah. we we don't have a because on paper that's a fun game to play and, I, and I've played it myself, but. I don't think we've got a spare midweek now until the middle of March or something. Um, and they're going to have to be rotated. And the way that Mourinho picks his team is horses for courses. So we never it's unlikely that we're going to have the same 11 week in, week out. And there will be players who drop in and out of squads and in and out of benches and in and out yeah. of the team. And that's fine. And that's what we want because they're actually going to stay fresh. Harry Kane might not start every game because Carlos Vinicius might actually be a competent second player and be enough to score our way through the Europa League. And if we've got fucking Sheffield United or you know somebody of that ilk in the league at Fulham, Harry doesn't have to play and get his customary hat-trick. He can actually get a bit of rest because we don't need him for that game. We'll get the same amount of points. We'll probably hammer him in the same way we would have done, but we can rotate the squad. Lamella can fill in and, you know, Winksy can play and, and that sort of a thing. Sissoko can come into the team and it's and there's a balance and there's a, a depth there that we haven't had. And that's the new thing about this squad. It isn't just that we've refreshed the team. It's that we now have two functional sets of 11 players. 
you could have a really decent game of Tottenham against Tottenham, and we haven't been able to do that even theoretically yeah, for, for so long. It's very true. We've got two good players for every position, and that is where a, a, a good team need to be. Even Man City don't have that at the minute because you know they've they've recruited poorly and they've sort of concentrated too much on buying players in one position and shit. And we've we've managed to stumble across it somehow, and we've we've not just stumbled across it in an accidental way. We've we've recruited well enough now that there's a balance to that, and we can play various different systems, and we can almost pick a poison for certain teams and. And we've got the manager in place who is pragmatic enough to to do that and have the plan. It's just the thing that the two things that can can scupper us are injuries and fitness and preparation time between games. Because there's there might come a point where he has to decide whether or not he's fucking off the League Cup or the Europa League, and I don't think it's going to be the Europa League, um, or whether or not he's happy to just kind of see if we fall into the top four and, and go more balls off to getting into the Champions League through the Europa League or something. Cause Do you think maybe, just maybe, though... We're winning everything. It might just be our time to just get that stroke of luck where we just don't really get any injuries. <laughs> we just have a good run at everything. I think that is a, a nice thought for us to end on, Jack. <laughs> well, no, I've, I've got a nicer thought that I, I'd like to end on. Okay. Um, other than Harry Kane being absolutely amazing, we do that one to death. Hummin Son. Now, I sort of put to you that he looks faster than ever at the moment. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll regale kind of what you said to me in a very layman's understanding of it but I believe you put something to me in that it's more the way in which he's coached now it seems to be that Mourinho is like he's coveting him more as an individual asset as opposed to part of this kind of attacking band that Pochettino had he's he's making sure that Son utilizes his ability in bursts and in phases yeah and thus he's you know, he's he's as opposed to running himself into the ground for ninety minutes, he's there to just explode in the moments in which we need him. He's essentially coveting him more as an asset, as mm-hmm. as a top tier player. Is this in turn, you know, gonna see Son kick on a level? Because I think it, he's got the ability to. Yeah, it it, it really. I don't. I mean, you've. I always feel like you got to caveat it with some because we've seen how streaky he can be, but it already again seems like we're seeing a son that is finishing the chances that in the past few years have seen me be like, I love Son, but he is a bit of a South Korean Robbie Keane in that you know if you give him too much time to think, or. He's always going to miss the easy chances that he should put away and score a worldie instead. Mm-hmm. But now he just seems to be doing he seems to be doing both. Well, I think there's twofold. I think he's been shouted at a bit more by Hugo Lloris and he's kind of there's a bit of a nastiness that's coming into his game as well because he was he's remained just a really nice pleasant fellow and he can't play that way. And there is a bit of nastiness in him. I know the Andre Gomez thing wasn't his fault, but there's been a couple of times where he will kick out and be a bit nastier and there's a bit of a mean streak to him now, which there needs to be. 
Um, and you're right. I think I did say the sort of he he measures his moments in which to use his full potential now, rather than going 100 miles per hour from minute one, tracking back all the time, doing all that. We play a system in which he can he can have a breather, he can wait for the ball to come to him, and then he can switch it on when it's time to switch it on. And he he hasn't really played in a system like that for us before, and it's um it's really benefiting him. And he's obviously playing much better for it. I think. I keep going back to that Netflix thing, but there was Mourinho starting to tell them about uh, the Copa del Rey final that he won with Real Madrid against Barcelona, against Guardiola's Barcelona. And it was that famous game where he took Ronaldo off the wing for one of the first times and played him at number nine when they had, you know, Higuain and Benzema in the team, but he played him at nine. And the reason he did that was Danny Alves is at right back. If you're playing... Cristiano or Ronaldo at left wing, he's going to spend his entire game running himself into the ground, chasing Danny Alves up and down the wing. You don't want your best player doing that. You want him to go and score goals. Long story short, Ronaldo scores the winning goal in the game because he's been allowed to concentrate on doing his job and preserving his energy for what his primary function is. And that, in, in not exactly the same way, but in a in a very similar vein of thinking, that is what is... That's what he's doing now with, with Son and even with Kane and what he will do with Bale. Because Gareth Bale's hamstrings are made of putty. He's not going to be able to... He's said it himself, I'm not going to be able to run up and down like I did when I was a kid, when I was here last. He's going to be waiting there on the halfway for the ball to come to his foot for him to be a superstar. And then he'll do his superstar shit. He's not going to be running back to win the ball and doing it himself. It's just not their game anymore. It's not how we play anymore. And there's, that's absolutely fine. And I think it's sort of, it's just going to be exciting to see when we have a full squad to choose from and when we have, you know, that front three to line up together for the first time. It's fantastic. But even more than that is the fact that in any game going, we could probably have at least two of that three or one of that three. Like, even if Kane's not playing then the Vinicius will have Bale and Son either side of him. Even if Bale's not playing, Son and Kane will be there. If Son's not playing, or even you take two of them out and one of them's there, it's still fucking Son, Bale or Kane. It's still, you still back Bird yourself. One, who yeah. a promising player. Lucas Moura, who probably still walks into most Premier League teams. Yeah. You know? it's... But now they have their appropriate place within the squad. Now, the thing is as well, Lamella, now that we rely on him less in terms of like, we fuck, we're running short on players, or Christ, we need an option. Please, Lamella, come good, get a run of games. Now, the fact we have Lamella as a piece in this jigsaw where we don't particularly rely on him, but he's a nice to have. He is actually a luxury bastard that we can. <laughs> put out into certain games, into certain situations. It's almost as if he's kind of like becoming our Fellaini in a way, you know? Like that kind of awkward, what is he? He's got some ability, but he's kind of frustrating, but he still manages to be a real shit and actually have a tangible benefit to his game. He just seems to be that now. It's it's it, I don't know. There's just a lot that's coming good for us. It's I told myself I wouldn't believe again after that Champions League final. Honestly, it like yeah, we we everyone's spoken about it before. That Champions League final broke the club. It broke the supporters emotionally, mentally, everything. And I felt that you know 
not even in that kind of knee-jerk, short-sighted way. I just kind of felt like, you know what, like I've seen a, various different incarnations of Spurs, projects, cycles. I felt the ups and the downs, and I've really tried to believe in it. And this Pochettino, just just getting this close to this tier of glory, Champions League final, title races, this felt... It felt once in a lifetime. And I wasn't resigning myself to the fact that we wouldn't ever have good days again as Spurs fans, that we wouldn't ever win anything. I was certain that we'd, you know, at least win an FA Cup or a League Cup or we'd, you know, have a good kind of run and make the top four and have a nice sort of adventure in Europe again at some point, maybe like we did under Red Nap or so on and so forth. But in terms of actually really believing that we could challenge for the very, very top honours. I was like, you know what? I don't, I just, I think that whole thing was a once in a lifetime thing and I'm glad I got to see it. <laughs> I've lost my ass already. I'm just like, I'm looking at this with Mourinho now and I'm thinking like, fuck, maybe, maybe Pochettino and that cycle Maybe that was our Brendan Rodgers. Maybe that Champions League. Oh, final. that's really unfair to him. No, 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 not in that way. But I just mean in the sense that, like, Liverpool got so close. They had the Gerrard slip. They had Suarez. They had Gerrard. They had Coutinho. You know, a very good side that played really good football. And it was the first time in that 30 years, whatever, you know, been a few less at that point that they had come close to really winning the league. And then when that disappeared, yeah, I've got mates to support Liverpool that were like, it's just not going to happen for us, is it? Again, we are probably now this different team. But well, um, in the same, same way with Bielsa at Leeds, that first season where they got done at, done at home by Derby in the playoffs and they thought they were never going to go after being the only team to be that far ahead at Christmas in the Championship and not go up automatically. They kind of gave up, but the thought after 15 years of not coming up that it's never going to happen, they're cursed and all that sort of shit. And, you know, Christ only knows I wish that was the truth. But the year after, after coming so close and that heartbreak, they got it again. So maybe there is uh, some rhyme and reason to your thinking. Do you, not will we, but considering we were at the start of the season, end of last season, should we say, start of this season before we did the business that we'd done, <sighs> Do you and seeing basically how everyone else is doing, do you feel that we can have a go at the league this year? Mm, I mean, we, lesser Spurs, lesser Spurs squads with less about them have done more in the league. So you take that as you want it. That's very, very coy. <laughs> That's very, it's very coy's. Coy's, yeah. yeah. Okay, well. I'll well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ruin it. But yeah, but mate, what we need now is that nice soundbite. You know, you know, you had that bail intro. <laughs> we need that nice, we need that rousing soundbite from you at the end. Like, yes, Jack, we can. And, you know, you dress it up in that sort of, you know, flouncy way that you do. That's Very polite yeah. of you. <laughs> it's very good and it sounds better than me just sort of stumbling over myself and saying stuff so that I can add the echoey sound effect and the Hans Zimmer soundtrack and in five years time when we are still doing this um, because I'm not going to leave you alone um, 
after they've turned the burns against us. Yeah, exactly. Then we can edit that into place. But you, you won't. You can't even give me that, can you? But you, you know, you have given me now. Maybe I'll get there another couple of six ones, Jack, and I'll give you your soundbite. All right, then, mate. I'll I'll hold you to that. But uh, I suppose yeah, hour and twenty minutes done. I think that's quite a good a good comeback, a mini comeback pod to keep the uh, to keep the the swines happy for now. So I hope you've enjoyed your swill. Everybody who's listening still at this point. Um, yeah, I don't know. Leave a review somewhere. I don't even know where you do, but just retweet us and tell people to listen. So Yeah, remind our... people of unsubscribe that we're still here. Exactly. We just, every now and again, we get like people being like, stop tweeting and do another podcast again. I'm like, we are doing fucking podcasts, you cheeky cunt. We've been doing them for about a season now. Mm. And they're like, Oh, nice one. So, you know, tell that lot. Tell tell everyone. We're back. Yeah. Anyway, go away. Say my name, sunshine's through the rain. A whole life so lonely. Then you come and ease the pain. I don't want to lose this A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.